Well, today's episode is brought to you by West End, South Australia's most iconic beer. Now, it's a clean, fresh draft beer. There's nothing more local, nothing more South Australian than cracking a red tin. Somebody asked me at the time, are you depressed? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean depressed? Like, depression doesn't happen where, you know, also where I come from, where, you know, my family, you know, it's also something you never really talk about like mental health or, you know, or feelings. You're just, you know, having a tough day, you know, just go through it and- Get on with it. Yeah, get on with it. Victoria Azarenka has a great affinity with Australia. She's a two-time Grand Slam winner at Melbourne Park. She also claimed mixed doubles titles at the French and US Opens, as well as an Olympic gold medal in London back in 2012. In this chat, Vicar talks openly about motherhood, inspiring a generation of young tennis players, approaching random strangers with theatre tickets in New York and going undercover in Paris to restore her mental health. I hope you enjoy it. Now, this episode does talk about mental health, so if you have any concerns, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. Welcome along to The Soda Room, a place where we get to know the real stories behind some of the biggest names in the game. It was like we had won the grand final. I just got some new boots. It was something yeah. special for me. Did you understand the significance of that moment? Oh, Captain? yeah. Nothing compared. That's what I thought I had to do as a leader. You've got the same undies on. <laughs> I've got exactly the same ones on. Victoria Azarenka, welcome back to Adelaide. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Now, we are in the very bright sun of uh, Memorial Drive here, yeah. which you know well. So you've got the sunnies on. So if we're watching this, uh, you look rock star-like. Yeah. I mean, I've I've heard that before. I've worn them for press conferences. Yeah. People are like, why are you wearing sunglasses? And uh, and I have, uh, I have migraines from the lights. Right. So I try to prevent it as much as possible when I go yep. to like press conferences with a, with a, with a light, course. with a flash. Yep. Even like the phone flash is is um is is not is not the best for me. So I try to just you know not take any chances. Um, when you get them, are they so bad that you're oh, stuck so in bad. bed like? Like grinding? real bad. Like so at some point, I had to call the hospital. Like sometimes emergency. Yeah. Really. Is that bad? Yeah. Jeez, have you had them for a long time? Yeah, pretty much. Like my mom has them, yeah. uh, and so it's 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 been my my kind of my whole life. I had to, um, you know. One time in was it 2020, I got it right before the final match, and we had to call the the um, like the the urgent care because yeah. because I pass out sometimes from the pain that I get. So, Jeez, yeah, Did that's why I, to... I want to wear sunglasses. Oh no, I understand, <laughs> and I'll tell you what, they're pretty nice sunglasses. Yeah. So if anyone's watching this on YouTube <laughs> or Spotify, they uh, yeah. they're rocking. Where are those ones from? Oh, very nice. Sale, so I feel like I got like a good deal. Yes. You know, um, 80% off. That's good. 80% sale. Yeah. That's my jam. Absolutely. <laughs> um, welcome back to Australia. Um, it's Tell us about Australia. How much do you love it? Because obviously you've had such wonderful success here over many, many years. Well, uh, I mean, it goes back all the way to juniors. Mm. The first time I came to Australia, I was 15 years old. Um, I became number one junior player.
and uh, come out and really support, you know, no matter where you're from, like people really support you here. I had uh, a lot of success, obviously, but that's not only the reason why I feel really great here. I think the whole atmosphere uh, of, with, with people really keeps me like excited to, to come back and, and, and play here. Also being at the first event of the year, you know, is always is really nice. Um, so I had I had wonderful memories. I've been to a few different places in Australia. You know, it's, it's great to have a tournament in Adelaide. I played here before there was a, a tournament. I played like an exhibition and it was it was really great events. So. In the World Tennis Challenge. Yes. Which was fantastic because obviously yeah. the, the old event here went up to Brisbane many, many years ago. Yeah. And then uh, Roger Rashid and... Ella, Ellie McDonald and um, who else? There was uh, Mark Woodford and Darren Cale put on that World Tennis Challenge. Yeah. I remember you, that you were here. It was a yeah. great event yeah. to have some superstars from the past as well as, you know, stars like yourself from yeah. the present. And I remember it was like, we're just wondering why there isn't an event here, you know. So it was really cool to, when, when they announced that the tournament is going to come back here, I was like, oh, wow, I've been there. It's going to be a great event. And obviously building the more infrastructure to, uh, to have a tournament of such caliber. Um, is 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 really cool. So I think a lot of people who are coming back, coming here even for the first time, are really going to enjoy it. Well, Vika, we, we did have the event obviously for a long time here, but because Br Brisbane stole it because they got a brand new stadium, yeah. the Pat Rafter Arena. So now, as you can see here, even since you were here last year, I think when you yeah. made the the quarterfinals, yeah, it's already changed again. Some yes. more development. So it actually yeah. is starting to look like. Yeah. A really nice stadium for the first time in a long time. No, absolutely. And it's also, you know, that it's right in the city. You know, I enjoy a lot the the closeness of the of the hotel where you mm. just walk across the river and, and, you, and you're here in a few minutes. You don't need to go through traffic. You need to, to go to the car. So those, those little things, you know, um, they may not seem as big for like uh, somebody who doesn't play, but for us traveling around the world, those those, those things really make make a big difference. And and the comfort of the event, like that's what you, where you want to come back. You know, not only because you win, because some, you're not going to win every year. Uh, maybe if, unless you're Djokovic, yeah, of course, Australian Open, just a lazy nine, <laughs> yeah, or or Nadal at French yeah. Open. But um, it really makes 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 a difference, um, you know, those little things. Mm. Um, tell us about a young girl from Minsk yeah. grabbing a tennis racket. How old were you when you, you first got into it? Um, I started playing tennis when I was seven years old. And, um, you know, looking back uh, at it, it's like how in the world that became kind of my destiny. And I'm sitting here. Um, was nobody in my family ever played tennis? Nobody knew what tennis is. Nobody knew what the score is. Nobody watched tennis at all. And my mom started working in the tennis center, um, just doing a, a regular, a regular administrative job. And um, I start. I went to first grade, and um, after school, I would come and and visit my mom at work. And when I was little um i was very close to my mom like i wouldn't want to go anywhere so i wouldn't let her work so she had to um find a way to distract me and so she could <laughs> so she could work yeah. so she gave me a tennis racket and there was a you know a small gymnasium with no court just the walls and i went to start playing against the wall and one of the coaches uh, saw me um you know, they had the, they had their group class, so she saw me. She's like, "Oh, do you want to join?" And I was so shy. I was like, "No, I just ran away." And then my mom brought me, like, "Hey, just try, just play with other kids." So when I started playing tennis, I didn't even see a tennis court for the first year. We were all in, in the gymnasium playing against the wall, doing this kind of 
different drills and um, learning the coordination. And then we start going to, to the court like three times a week with 40 kids, you know, and then it's 20 kids. So, you know, slowly there's less and less. But, um, you know, I, it's just it was so different compared to like a lot of kids. Now, even my son, he has like private lessons at six years old, five years old. And I was like, wow, I didn't even touch my record. So when, you know, sometimes like some parents ask me, oh, what is the good age to start tennis? I was like, I don't think that there is one. I think as long as, you know, you want to have fun, you don't, it cannot be a job yeah. when you're a six-year-old or a seven-year-old, you know, it's like it becomes a job later. And, and for me, what was really amazing that from that moment when I was a kid, it never felt like a job, really. It really felt like, okay, it's my passion and I have fun with it. Like I play with you know, play with my heart. I don't really calculate too much. It's like based on instinct. And I think that all developed really when I was really little. So what did you want to be if it wasn't a tennis player? I wanted to be, I, I was doing music. I was playing different sports as well. I wanted, I, I was really good at playing piano. And um, I had a teacher who really wanted me to be a p pianist. Mm -hmm. And um, he was very upset when I had to choose between tennis and piano because I couldn't do both. He wanted me to go to music school and et cetera. And I said, no, I'm going to pick tennis. And he didn't speak to me after that. He was so upset. And on my final um, music um, exam, I played really well, but I got a four. Because out of five. Instead of the five. Instead of the five. So I was, was he holding a grudge? I, I would like to think that because I truly believe that I, you know, when I give it my all, like I, I really believe that I earned a really good grade, but at that time I was like, whatever. How old were you then when you had to make the choice? I was um, 11. Right. I was 11, yeah. Seven, yeah, 11. You don't think about playing the piano anymore? I do play sometimes oh, yeah? a little bit, but it, it, it really, it did turn off a little bit of the fire to, to do that, that exam. Mm. You know, I mean, I'm mm. 33, I'm still talking yeah, yeah. about it. So. Yeah, but it's important when you're <laughs> right? a young child, you know, there's significant yeah. moments, aren't they? Yeah, I think that those are, those are really important moments. And um, yeah, I like it. I, I want my son, my son plays a little bit of piano, does a little bit of music now too. So I think it's a great tool, like just to explore and I'm, I didn't have all the opportunities, you know, in the world, but whatever I could try, I wanted to try. I tried, you know, football. I tried uh, basketball. I played table tennis. I played uh, handball. Like, whatever was available was just like a playground, uh, you know, for me. So at what point do you know when you're playing tennis that you're going, I'm not too bad at this. I'm getting better and better, and this actually could be... You know, a job or a career. What sort of age did that happen? I think consciously it was later, like kind of when you were already in junior, started playing under 18, started traveling to like Grand Slams so around 15. And I, before that, I've had these visualizations of playing in these big events like in Wimbledon or, you know, I would play against the wall and I would just picture myself playing on this big stadium. So I think that, you know, kind of like unconscious dream was there from kind of beginning. And that's why I say when, why I'm here, it had to be a destiny. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't like a plan. It was really for me to make it from where I come from was a very, very long shot. And the re 
when I started to think I was good, I always played up, um, you know, with with age age group. So I've been humbled quite a lot, <laughs> you know, when I was a kid. But it also helped me grow a lot. So um, I would play. I would play against anybody. It didn't matter if somebody better, somebody worse than me. I would just. I just wanted to play and 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 compete. And I've heard a lot of no's as well that I'm not gonna make it from you know in school you need to go in school because tennis is not a career you know kind of a cliche stuff but I feel like it happens quite 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 a bit to a lot of people but I did I just really enjoyed playing and I don't think my parents which I'm I think I'm one of the lucky people th like saw as um me as a kid, I was like, oh, that's our way to make it in the world. You know, they really wanted me to just do whatever I can and enjoy. So I didn't, I think until like 15, I didn't really think, okay, it's going to be my career or, you know, I need a plan B. It was just like, it was going natural. Like I had this dream and I wanted to do whatever, whatever I can to do uh, to achieve that. No plan B at all? Have you ever needed, you've never needed a plan B in your life? Not, not, not that I can really think about, but what was, what, what I was saying earlier, that I was trying a lot of different things that I think that was helpful for me not to be stuck um, into just, okay, ten, tennis only. I was, and, and I still am, like I'm very focused on my tennis, but I have so many interests outside of that, that it enriches me and fulfills me in different ways. And I think the same thing when I was a kid, that, that, was, that was quite similar, that even though I had, you know, it was tennis, I didn't have a normal childhood like a lot of, a lot of kids, but it, I didn't feel like that's my only thing, you know? I still felt like I'm, I'm trying this and I'm trying that. So it was, it, was, it was fulfilling. I was lonely a lot of times because I traveled by myself since I was a kid. And, uh, but it, it also didn't, I didn't feel like that was my only thing in life. When you start becoming really, really good, tell us about, obviously you become the first uh, Belarusian to win a Grand Slam, yeah. you know, in Australia here in 2012. Mm -hmm. What happens when you win a Grand Slam? What happens back in Minsk and, and yeah. Belarus in that situation? Well, it was uh, obviously a monumental event. I think the emotions of, of people um, was was super exciting. You know, I, obviously, I didn't have a chance to go home at that moment and really, you know, kind of soak soak that thing in because the good and the bad part about tennis is like you win and then next week it's another tournament and it's such a quick turnaround. So I'd never really experienced that, you know, homecoming win or homecoming experience. So even though I know how so many people were excited and happy for me and proud of me, I didn't, I never got a chance of that. The same thing with the Olympics. I didn't yeah. have a, that, you know, homecoming thing, which now like looking at, you know, just now World Cup with Argentina, like mm. that, the home yeah. is so exciting. How were those pictures when you look yes. through Buenos Aires? There's just thousands yeah. and thousands. It's insane, isn't it's it? It's insane. And, and it's just, I never had that, but I, I it's not uh, like a regretful thing. Mm. It's just, it's just what it is. You know, I still, it, it's not going to take away um, the achievement, but really for me, what's, I think the, the biggest joy, I guess, is to see more players coming out of Belarus yeah. and playing at the high level. And the girls, you know, are, 
team is is very very strong. A lot of a lot of young girls are uh, playing well um, for such a small country. It's, it's pretty impressive. So that I think that win is hopefully is part of the effect of what's um, what's happening in tennis now. Well, I can only imagine that there would be thousands and thousands of boys and girls that picked up a racket there purely because you picked up a racket at your mum's work and started hitting yeah. the ball against the wall, which would directly have changed their lives. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would like to think that. Um, I think you can think that. Yeah. There's no doubt you would have inspired them. Yeah, I, I hope so. And I think that that is really, like, especially at this stage in my career, that's the motivation. The big mm. motivation is uh, to... Um, not necessarily inspire people, but to kind of live your life of what you want to do and um, follow your dreams and work hard. And uh, I, I, I kind of embrace that through, I think, being a parent as well. It's like, you know, showing my son, not tell him what to do or kind of try to show him mm. what to do. Mm. That's how I, I kind of under, like, understand people. It's like, okay, you know, with coaches as well or whoever. Somebody says, oh, do this. I'm like, okay, well, show me, you know. So, so it's a different approach. And um, I want my son and hopefully lots of other kids, like if you work hard, if, if, you, if you have a dream, you work hard, and there's a good chance of achieving that or at least fulfilling that part of, 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 of your you know, soul and heart that, that you gave it your all. Um, just going back to obviously where Belarus is now and people playing tennis, did is there a Victoria Azarenka statue? Is there a tennis stadium? Um, <laughs> is there streets? What, have you been uh, immortalized in some way back uh, home? I hope not. I hope not because it's, uh, you know, those things are like, um, they're really not, um, not important to me um, because um, I don't like the fame part of, um, of my job. I like to be recognized for my achievements. Obviously, I think that is fulfilling for me. But anything outside of that, it's like, I just treasure that normalcy of my existence and my life so much that mm. I have the ability to go anywhere I want and not necessarily be bothered. There are people who are, you know, coming up to me. It's not, it's not a bother thing, but they're obviously stars who cannot go anywhere you know absolutely and, and so that, you can still be relatively anonymous at times yeah and especially like off the court you know i play with my braids mm. and uh and i everybody who kind of meet me outside of tennis like oh you look different and i was mm. like okay you can let the hair down <laughs> yeah put the christian dior's on put a hat on and you could walk around anywhere yeah absolutely it's not it's not uh so so those things you know like statues or you know my my mom told me that they've done like the post uh, uh, uh stamp stamps yeah and she's like oh that's so exciting and to me it was like yeah, yeah. i guess well someone's know? got to lick the back of your head and stick you on an envelope <laughs> <laughs> you know it's not that it's not the non-appreciative part yeah. it's just like it doesn't really yeah. make me yeah. anything it doesn't change my to, life yeah. it doesn't change my life um, like my uh, the way I feel about it, and it's the same thing with trophies. Like I don't yeah. like trophies. I don't so have where, trophies. Where are the I don't know open? where trophies. 
Like, I mean, they're in the storage. They're in the storage. So they're not up somewhere in your apartment? No. No. Nowhere. I had to see them? No. I had a trophy room um, in my old apartment. My mom did it. And I don't like trophies. I like to win them. Hmm. And once that's done, like, if you you ever would look at any of the, like, I don't ever touch them. Like, I'm just done. Like, okay. They're like, okay, ship them. And that's it. So as soon as you've won, you just... I, I mean, take and, a picture, or whatever, and, and that's that's, and that's done. It. Like, I don't, I don't want to. You don't sit home and watch TV and just sit with the Australian no. Open Cup just on your own, holding it up. No, my my son loves trophies. I bet he would. Like, he loves trophies, and I have um, a trophy in my house now. I don't know, but by the way, where half of my trophies are. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I have this trophy of year number one and ah, yes. um, from twenty twelve. Yes, yeah, and they time. and they also the WT they did like for all the number ones in the world. They, there's a special Chris Everett trophy that they sent, and it's and it's, I mean it's so bad, but it's like by my in in my dining room by the bar like in the box, and it's it stands like, um, you know, just I can put something on it. But my right. son would like open it and you like I said, Leo, those are not. It's like not your trophy. <laughs> So it, don't really play with it, but that's that's yeah. The trophies thing is very weird for me, and I would never touch anybody else's trophy. Like even right. like if it's football or if it's like golf, whatever, whatever it is, uh, I don't want to touch the trophy. And uh, I was talking to a friend of mine. He goes, "Why? Like why? What if it's a World Cup?" I was like, "I would never touch it," because there was this whole story with somebody in Qatar went on the pitch, and. Uh, and touch the trophy, and apparently you're only few, very few people can touch the the trophy. And we were like talking, would you, would you like touch it? Would you? I was like, no way. I, I would yeah. never touch anybody else's tr- uh, trophy. And it's like, why? I said because those aren't mine. I didn't earn them, and they're not mine to touch or to lift or whatever. So I have a very mm. particular. Uh, relationship to trophies. Yes. Um, you mentioned Leo. Now, yeah. he just turned six. Just had just a birthday. Just turned six, yeah. What's it like um, having a six-year-old? I've got three kids. So mine are 10, <laughs> seven, and six, and yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. Um, when you had Leo, tell me about the moment that you had him. What changes in your mind? How does the world change yeah. when you become a mother or a parent from yeah. your eyes? I mean, I don't remember anything before that like I was like what what did I do like what the hell was I doing during the day it's it's it was it just it feels like my life was kind of empty you know and it's not it's not the it's not really like a remark to somebody who doesn't have kids it's just like my own feeling like real feelings like what was I doing like I don't know like now like in the off season like I have zero free time because I want to be you know I want I don't want to miss things with him, I want to be present. I want him to feel my presence uh, as as a parent there because I feel it's very very important. The support of it is is very important. So when when I just when I kind of just had him, everything changed from priority of being my uh, like myself to like myself probably the last the last person. And I like to take care of people. I you know before I take care of myself, but this was like another another level everything needs to be you know not like in a controlling way but like i need to make sure that everything is set everything is right the, the safety and security became a very big priority to me like the um 
emotional part of um you know seeing other kids was like just a different feeling for me like if i see some somebody's kid hurt like it it really gives me like pain in my heart like it it really is so so that that changed a lot and i struggled you know a bit to find that kind of balance between still doing something for me to play and then to to be there um you know for leo so it was it was a battle like a quite a quite a big you know besides my 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 other battle with with uh, with his dad mm. it was a very um difficult like emotional thing to to figure out okay i can go practice and after practice i need 20 minutes of stretching but oh, should i do it or should i not do it I, you know i've been two two hours away so it changed but it also gave me a perspective of life that is something bigger than your job or 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 you know money or whatever like it gave it gives like this this broader perspective and feeling and life and i think that's a hard part i'm struggling with now yes. is to go out and play it's bloody hard yeah, being yeah. a parent isn't it it's very yeah. very tough how do you change as a player from not being a mum then you're a mum with your mindset the way that you play as a tennis player mm -hmm. are you different as a mum than you were before uh as a player um i think there are a couple of things you know obviously i uh, i hope i grew as a person you know i i stepped on the scene um at 16 years old um on tour without really not really media training but understanding how the media works you know you put this bubble around yourself and then you have success you put even a bigger bubble around yourself um and if you don't have you know you don't always have good people around so you build another another bubble another wall and i feel like through the time i took i took a moment in time to really grow myself as a person to be more open you know every relationship i kind of have on tour with you know supervisors with people in the office whatever is it's changing because i've i wanted to to have those relationship just as a normal human being i don't look at as myself as celebrity somebody else like those like r real moments are very very important to me so over the years that has shifted um for me a lot and when i become a mom i have a lot more um things in common with people where i can relate to it's hard for me to relate to everybody you know from a, being a tennis player of course being a parent there's so much more you can relate to yeah. so so many similarities that people experience and i think that has connected me to a lot more people um which 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 has been great and um i feel like i'm still you know kind of evolving um in that way um and in terms of my mindset on the court like i'm i still have that hunger and desire i definitely became more empathetic i became much more empathetic uh, especially off the court like uh, mm. a, a lot i try to understand people how they see from 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 their side i don't always do a great job mm. of it but i feel like i'm i'm doing more and more of that um but on the court um i feel like i want to still achieve those dreams like i'm playing 
to because I feel like I still have things I can improve. Mm. Once that kind of when I feel like okay, I don't think that's that's coming. That's where I know I'm I'm, I'm gonna stop. But as as long as I feel that oh I can improve that, that's um, that mindset still stays very hungry, very um, focused on 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 the um, on that goal. What's the best part about being a mum? What's the bit that uh, warms your heart and puts a smile to your face? When I see my son laugh, like when I see him happy, when I see him smiling, um, regardless if I'm part of why he's smiling or not, um, that to me like really warms my warms my heart. Mm. That to he to see him um, also grow and and and. Uh, and go over some challenges. Like he just learned, um, he's just learning like um, dirt bike, a motorcycle. And uh, he went from speed one to speed two, now to speed three. And that that is like, you know, I, I'm the most happiest in those those yes. moments. You know, um, a child's laughter, I think you make a really good point. Even, you know, if you're tickling your kids. Oh yeah. And you hear them laugh. Yeah. And um, he's fantastic. Yeah. It can change your day. Yeah. It can make your day. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's uh, it's um, whenever, like, if I have a bad day, you know, um, or something, uh, he really changes um, that that mm. moment. It's like a zoom zoom out vision, you know, like mm. you you stop focusing on particular thing that might have been upset you, or and you look at at the bigger lens view, and and it's 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 tough. It also, you know, sometimes is like worrisome and. Um, like sometimes I feel like I don't know what I'm doing, and um, you, you know what, you need a license to drive a car. Anyone <laughs> exactly, can have a kid. Exactly, exactly. You know, so it's scary. It is. It is scary because you know I, I I see it from like why is it scary? Because I understand how little things can impact so hard. Like going back to the story I was talking about with the piano. So I try to be very mindful yeah. of you know. Yes. But. Well, you go back 22 years within a moment and you can feel those emotions, can't you, from getting yeah. a four out of five? Yeah. Um, I can remember when my son was born, who's 10 now, driving out of the hospital. I had him in the back of the car and I was driving at about 20K an hour and there's no cars coming and I'm still waiting, going, looking back and forth, going, I don't think I should go yet. Yeah. Now you just rip out there. But it's funny yeah. when you have that responsibility. Like you're saying, you don't, you don't have a rule book, you don't have a guide, you don't have a license. You just go, right, you're yeah. a parent now, go and do some stuff. Yeah, that was, you know, it's, um, it's like, what is, you know, not to navigate from what you want or what you need or how you see it and how to kind of look more of what is the best in this situation, even if it's something maybe that it, you yeah. don't like. You yeah. know, so I, tr I try really hard to, to be mindful of that. And, uh, but it's hard, like sometimes you, you know, you have an idea of of your kid to do it this way, you know, mm. and you have to do it this mm. way, and then you're like, okay, well, let's try. Like, I'm read. I have to read with my son now for his school, and English. Even though I speak English pretty well, mm. I, I think mm. I have. I don't know how to explain to him certain words. Why there yes. are certain ways. So, English is a, yeah. English is a tough language because words can be spelt differently. Yeah. You know, like live and live. It's yeah. the same word, but yeah. then it has two different meanings. There's so many examples of that or yeah. E's and I's around. Yeah. From I only speak English. Yeah. Right? Um, and 
from what I've been told, it's so hard to learn that if you've come from, you know, another native tongue. Yeah, it's just like, so I don't know how to explain to him, you know, certain things. He asked mommy why, and I'm like, you know what? I don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> why, why am I reading this? Like, I've been to school, but yeah, 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 yeah. but then I was like, okay, well, let's try to figure out. And I, and I come up with, like, games, you know, and we have to play games. We have to play. Everything has to be a game with my son. Like, he's just so, com- like... I get from the teachers like, well, we're working on him. He needs to be in line first every time. And then his dad looks at me and I'm like, I wonder where he got it well, first. He, <laughs> like, Vigo, his <laughs> mum is an international tennis star, so she's been competing <laughs> since you picked up a racket. Yeah. Back with your mum, so you can understand, can't uh, you? I can, but it's like, it's, it's just like, you know, the thing is with that, with being a parent, it's like you're looking in the mirror sometimes mm. and you're like, whoa. Yep. Yep. Wow. Like, it's just, he's identical me in so many ways. That's and good. And it's scary. <laughs> it's scary. Like, people around us, like my mom and people around us, like, oh, my God, you're like twins. Yeah. Like, she's like, you even, like, sound same uh, intonation, right? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Same yeah. thing. And I was like, That's a I great love compliment. that. I How love good that. It? It's a brilliant compliment, isn't that. it? Yeah, I, I was like, I don't, I was like, you're my best friend. He's my best friend. He knows that. And it's just, it's it's amazing. Like, it, it really, it changed my life for, dif- like, difficult times, but the best thing that ever happened to me, mm. for sure. I love that. That's yeah. fantastic. Um, can I ask, obviously, you, you've come back from being a mom, and, and as a female, I can only understand from watching what happens to your body when you have a baby, then you've mm. got to come back to be world-class, yeah. which is phenomenal. And to be able to do that, I think, mm. is amazing. So, you yeah. know, congratulations to get back to that level. It's, it, I suppose it's like having, you know, really serious injuries, I suppose, where you've got to get over and recondition your body. And I know in 2014, you had some real issues with your feet and yeah. missed a lot of tennis. And you've talked about how mentally tough that is. Mm. Um, one, congratulations to get yourself back from that. But how do you deal with that when you have that single focus to be a tennis player and your body's not doing what you need it to do? Well, mentally is very different. And, the you know, especially now I understand that so much the connection between mental and physical. And in 2014 it was very frustrating because I um, I kept pushing through the pain, and then it was another thing. So I wasn't really addressing kind of the issue. I was pushing through it, and it just it became like this crippling effect, which was also a lot of a lot of it was mental. I wasn't in a great state um, mentally. I didn't have right people at the time with me who didn't help me to kind of be on better track mentally, where my my physical body could could heal better. So that was different when when. I had, um, when I had Leo, for me, it was not the matter of, is my body going to be ready? Or I knew my body's going to be ready and I would work, work really hard. For me, it wasn't if, it was when, you know. So I actually feel like my body became a lot stronger uh, since, I had, since I had Leo. I became uh, much fitter than, than, than before. Um, so from that standpoint, um, I actually, it was, it was hilarious. I actually lost weight while I was being pregnant. 
Yeah, it was. Because you lost muscle, muscle. I, I lost tone, muscle, or? and I just I wasn't I wasn't that hungry, you know. Like I, not oh. a lot of people could say until like I was eight months pregnant that I was was pregnant. Oh, really? Yeah. So you I you had was, no cravings, no crazy food combinations. No, I nothing. Had, no, I had right. one. At first, I was like one of my favorite foods ever is watermelon. So that was like. Uh, that was the on one white? thing that I would just like. My brother would bring me like a full watermelon every single day. I was like, yes, I yeah. just, just eat yeah. it. Uh, but besides that, no, I played tennis um, until I was seven and a half months pregnant. Still, ah. I played with a friend of mine and I beat him. <laughs> and he was like, oh my God, this was my best chance of beating you. I said, it was. And he still didn't beat me. And then my mom saw me playing at seven and a half months. And I have one speed when I play. Like, that's why I have very hard time playing in exhibitions because it's either 100 or it's like I'm so lazy. So I'm, you know, I was like, oh, I'm just going to play, go, th- go out there and play a little easy, easy tennis. And then I just go on, full on. We, pl- we have like rallies and points and stuff. So my mom saw it and she, she went to my doctor and said, like, you need to tell her that she, she cannot play anymore. Yeah. And I was like, and so then my doctor said, no, I think you should, you know, you should stop playing tennis. And I didn't know that at the time. She only told me that after. I was like, okay, yeah. whatever, you know, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. want to play. Yeah. Then I was riding my bike and my mom was like, oh, what if you fall? I'm like, mom, I'm an athlete. What do you mean? Yeah. What if I fall like, off yes. the bike? So she was like, you know, she was just so like worried about my body. But I never had that feeling of I was still working out, um, going to the gym until 38 weeks. So I was very, very active. So is that trust in your body, knowing, and it was like you said, it's not if it will come back, it's when. You could yeah. essentially control that as it got better. Did that come because you were able to overcome the injuries from earlier? It gave you that belief that you were able to know that your body would be okay to stand up? I think that I didn't think too much into it. I was just I'm like, I'm thinking okay. too much, am I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, you know, this, was, this is my lifestyle and that is also what makes me you know, more happy, more healthy is to exercise, to, 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 to do something. And it's hard to stop when you're, you're constantly doing, because when you're injured, it's not like you're sitting on your ass and you're not doing anything. You're doing rehab, you're doing, you're working muscles that you can work. So it's, it's not in, in, when it's, when you're injured, I feel like it's not, you don't have really free time. You also, you, you're in that mode. It's like, okay, what can I do to help myself heal better? So in terms of like body-wise, I think when I was pregnant and after, I didn't think about it too much. It was just like, okay, this is what, what we're doing um, and, and that's it. And I think, you know, that was, that was like a kind of unconscious way of, of thinking. And looking back at it, it's like the best way. You just, you're not, I mean, there are people who obviously have, you know, much more difficult pregnancies and, and, and health issues that are not able to do what I was doing. But for, I could do my, uh, you know, I could work out with my body and how I felt. Like I truly wanted to um, see if I'm, you know, getting tired or whatever, like I'll stop. But But to really be more in tune, I guess, with my body. Mm. When you talked about 2014 before and you go through that really tough, challenging time and oh. you see that connection between your mind and your body, mm. did you find that exercise plays such an important role for that mental health? And In that time, no. At that right, time, it, it, was, it was not because it's like when you're, 
you know, somebody asked me at the time, are you depressed? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean depressed? Like, depression doesn't happen where, you know, also where I come from, where, you know, my family, you know, it's also something you never really talk about, like mental health or, you know, your feelings. You just, you know, having a tough day, you know, just go through it and get on with it. Yeah, get on with it. And um, I think there is, there's there's a usefulness in that, but there's also like it, it depends. It depends. You shouldn't you shouldn't push um, beyond um, beyond the uh, insanity. You know, kind of. It's it's there are time and place where you push, and there are time and place you have to take care of yourself. And when I'm saying take care of yourself, it doesn't matter. Doesn't mean quit because like a lot of times for me as well, like. Okay, you know, just step back. It's, it it feels like quitting when you're not pushing through. It feels like quitting. So to understand kind of that point, but in that at that time I didn't at all. It was hard for me to honestly do anything. Sometimes I would sleep like 14, 16 hours days. I didn't want to get out of bed. Um, and and it and it was real. But what I think in the the silver lining in the end was. To find, uh, to find it back, you know, that, that feeling of wanting to exercise, wanting to do something, wanting to go outside, wanting to go get a coffee, or wanting to go see your friends. Because in the moment of, like, really hard time, you don't want to see anybody. You don't want to, you just really disconnect yourself. So from. what was it, Vicar, that helped you get back to that, that person that you were and wanting to see your friends? Was it something that happened, something that you did, or some support that you got from a certain person? Um, I went to Paris for like two months by myself. Uh, I had a, a bit of therapy and I just, I've done it actually before uh, quite a lot. I would go to some place where nobody knows who I am. I don't know anybody. And I like to connect with people. I like to uh, get to know people, their stories, because I think everybody's quite unique and they have something interesting to say. Absolutely. And I would do that with you know random places and Paris was like you know what I'll just go live there for like two two and a half months and I got it like an apart little apartment hotel apartment and I just was going to you know different places in in Paris I knew few people obviously then I met a few different people starting I mean it sounds not that safe so what are I'm you doing going, are you this is your idea you're going to the Louvre and you see someone and go, g'day, and you just start talking to people. No, no, not not really, but I would go to like a French bakery, you know, and I would talk to the person, then they will talk to somebody else, then I would meet a friend through a friend, and then and then go on like that. Is that I've connection? Met, you know how I met? I met somebody um, in New York, a uh, similar way. I had two tickets, uh, Hamilton Hamilton tickets. Yeah, the musical. Yeah, and a person who I was going with couldn't make it. And I was yeah. like, you know what? I was in Times Square. I just walked to a random person. Like, hey, do you want to go to the to the um, Hamilton? Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, no problem. And it was, a, it was it was a girl, and she went with me to a Hamilton, and and that's it. I meet I meet very yeah. random people all the time, like, and through tennis, by the way, as well, like security guards yeah. there, and yes. you know people in the locker rooms and whatever so in adelaide we have where the shopping district is rundle mall 
Mm-hmm. So if someone's walking through Rundle Mall, just be on your toes because you might be walking past going, hey, I've got a spare ticket to the tennis. Anyone interested in coming along? You know what? It might be not a, not a bad idea. Maybe we should actually do that. We could do a little experiment <laughs> exactly. and get you to walk around. We'll see if anyone can recognize you and we'll just get tickets and give them out to yeah. people for different things. <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, who are you? <laughs> um, I think that's fantastic. But you're talking about connection, essentially, yeah. aren't you? Connecting yeah. back with people. Yeah, for me, it's it's very very important mm. the energy of the people, the connecting with people. It's um, I think that that's one of my favorite things about um, me being a tennis player mm. that I've met so many different people. I've made friends. You know, I have friends from everywhere mm. in the world. One of my best friends is Japanese, yeah. and uh, some from U.S., some are from Hawaii, some are from like different, different French, different part of the world, and I love that. Speaking of connections, we have a mutual friend, you and I. Yeah. So when you were playing here in Adelaide at Memorial Drive last year, mm. uh, you, you know, did you have a sore calf? Was that right? Was it a calf my, or an it, injury? Or your it knee? was my neck. Or your neck? Yeah. And they called in the physiotherapist because we've got the big cricket stadium. The Adelaide Oval is joined next to this tennis stadium. So the cricket physio, who (laughs) was an ex-Australian rules footballer, he's a big, strong, tough boy. They called him over. So he worked on your neck. His name's Alan Obst. And now he's your traveling physio. Yes. You gave him a job. Well, it was it was very, very there's more to that story. Mm. So I was I was going to the um, to the WT physios and they didn't have the like an osteopath or chiropractor to fix to to crack my neck. And they said, Oh, we have somebody here, you know, would you like to meet them? I said, Yeah, I mean of course. And it's like he it has very good reviews, uh, very highly recommended. So okay. And then I we did the treatment and um, it was like a you know, lovely, lovely person. I was yeah. like, oh, I don't really have anybody going with me to Melbourne. So he cracked your neck as well. Mm-hmm. So he's like an osteopath, yeah. not just a physio. Yeah. Alan did. Yeah. I didn't know he had these magic hands. I yeah. knew he was good with physio, but he's actually cracking yeah. as well. Yeah. So so I was like, okay. Um, I asked him, hey, would you mind, do you mind? He's like, um, you know, I can help you through this week, but I'm actually getting married on, on Sunday. <laughs> And I was like, okay, how about Monday then? <laughs> he was, well, I kind of have to leave like Saturday afternoon. But maybe after that, like, I was like, okay, can you meet me like in Melbourne? Would you, would you? And he was like, well, let me, let me kind of like go talk to my wife to be and yeah. see what happens. And then he's like, yeah, I can meet you in Melbourne. And I was like, okay, great. And Melbourne was, you know, um, I don't know. We just we we really connected, um, and um, I was like, "Hey, do you do you want to travel?" And he was like, "Oh, I don't know." So I convinced him because I'm I'm pretty good at that, yeah. and uh, yeah, we traveled through throughout the year, um, and yeah, we have great relationship. Um, he, you know, obviously taught me a few few things and helped me to open up a little bit my mindset to certain, you know, routines mm. and beliefs that you have. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's on the road with you a lot of yeah. 2022 this year? Yeah, he was on the road a lot. Right. Yeah, he was, uh, he was traveling everywhere. He thinks he's French now. Oh, no. Can he speak French? No. I mean, he not. tries. He tries, but it's like, je t'aime. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he, was, um, he was quite a good footballer. Yeah. He was pretty good. Yeah. He's a big, strong boy. He used to catch, well, we, in football we call it a mark, but he'd take yeah. a very strong catch. Yeah. Um, and he was good. He played at the very highest level. Yeah. 
Uh, but I he mean, always, yeah. always got injured though. So he'd yeah. be very good at his job because he's probably had to work on his body forever. Yeah, he's like always stretching and on, on, yeah. on the foam roller and, yeah. and et cetera. But he, he started playing tennis actually not too bad. I mean, okay. for somebody who never held a racket in his life. Yes. Um, and he, 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 he <laughs> he's telling the story. He's like, when he came to Melbourne, because here he wasn't on the court with me. And when he came to Melbourne, yeah. And my coach gave him a rag and he's like, what do I do with it? <laughs> like, no, you just, you know, like pick up the balls and yeah. throw the balls. So he was like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> you know, so it was like, you know, full immersion mm. uh, into, into the tennis world. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been fun. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm grateful to him to, um, to take that time, you know, from, uh, from being home and, 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 and dedicate his, uh, his time for, uh, for, for my dream, so I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Well, I'm glad you've connected with him and it didn't cost you a ticket to Hamilton either. He just had to come <laughs> over and play with your neck and get you sorted. <laughs> exactly. Um, Vicka, thank you so much for your time. It's been fascinating. Thanks for being so open thank you. Uh, and honest about you yeah. know your, your son and, and everything that you've gone through. And I love the fact that you have this really strong affinity with Australia yeah. um, because you know we can adopt you. So what happens in Australia is yeah. uh, if you love Australia, Australia <laughs> will love you back. But yeah. then if you do something bad, Australia will kick you out. So you know Russell Crowe, the actor? Yeah. He was born in New Zealand. But when he was here doing really well, we go, we love Russell Crowe. And then he got himself in some trouble and they go, oh, that Russell Crowe guy from New Zealand, let's piss him off. You know yeah. what I mean? So I think we can we can adopt you as an yes. Australian. Is that okay? Yeah. I would, I, I would, I like that. Thank you. I actually was, when I was playing doubles with, with, um, with Ash Barty, mm. it was one of my, yeah, of my favorite times. It was so I was sad um, when she retired, but at the same time, like kind of knowing her a little bit, like, mm. you know, she didn't come to this decision, you know, lightly. Yeah. And yeah. she has, she's, you know, one of the people where you can see, like she achieved so, such a high level in sport, but she's so down to earth mm. and she's so fulfilled in her, mm -hmm. you know, normal life. And I love that. I think that's why she's one of my favorite athletes and 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 people. But she was she was telling me like, you know, you're just you're just part of Aussie now. <laughs> it's like if I'm playing with you, I'm full Aussie. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> you've won a couple of Australian Open, so it qualifies you. You get. It's like you know when you win Wimbledon, you become the member of the club. You're the member of the Australian club forever now. Okay. okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for joining us. Vicky. Thank you. Well, guys, thanks so much for listening. Now, if you love what you just heard, please subscribe to the Soda Room podcast. You could write a review. Uh, you can watch the show on YouTube and share it with your buddies. And if you'd like to get in touch with the show, drop us a line, info at thesodaroom.com. Catch you soon.